Welcome to MLS Gone Wild, where the homies are bringing the latest in American soccer. I'm currently recording my studio in the bathtub right now, but Blaine, take that away, baby. Oh, I absolutely love it, Poopus. I think mid-episode, you should probably just take a bath. Uh, yeah, guys, welcome to MLS Gone Wild, week 11. Uh, we're happy to have you guys here. This is, we're recording on Zoom right now in hopes to post the video to our social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at some point tomorrow. Hopefully that's able to happen. I think Dakota is looking further into that. Anyways, this is Blem. I don't think I introduced myself. It's good to connect a, a face to a name. But anyways, uh, we're still going to post our podcast the normal places you would listen to your podcast, whether it be Spotify, Apple, or Anchor. Yeah, what's going on, guys? Uh, Dakota here, Dak here. Uh, we are on our third try of Zoom here. We've had a couple technical difficulties with video one and two. Um, so fingers crossed, third time's the charm. So uh, excited for you guys to be back for another week. Yeah, unfortunately, Dakota's Wi-Fi kicked the first time and then my father called me. Even though I had my phone on Do Not Disturb and it popped up and kicked me from the video and my dad said that he actually wanted to join the podcast. So we're not going to do that And now it's my so... My shoe's gonna like just completely black out during this time, so don't you, you know? Don't I, you, guys worry. you know, I really hope not. All right, so anyways, guys, like we said, welcome to MLS Gone Wild Week Eleven. This is our first time doing this. I I think that this is gonna be one of our most fun, um, spontaneous episodes that we've done so far. So the MLS has done a couple, have made a couple big proposals and announcements in the past two days. Something happened today where the MLS announced their academy system. So basically, there's going to be 95 teams, 30 MLS academies, and 65 pre-existing academies will play in the league. The league is going to focus on player identification, coaching, environment, personal growth, and community outreach. Um, so for me, I think the league provides some alignment with the MLS in the hopes to add to their 250-plus homegrown players that have already signed contracts in their, in their history. Donovan, welcome to the interview, buddy. Um, so what are your guys' thoughts on the new academy? Yeah, um, I'm excited for it. Um, I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to really um, provide more, a bit more stabilized, stabiliz stabilization to the league. And I think it's going to be really good. Um, I still think it's really too early to tell or get a clear picture of it. But just from early sightings and early things that we're learning, I think it's going to be a positive step forward for our development. Uh, going forward within the United States? Uh, I feel like it could have been expanded a lot more. There's a lot of states that were actually taken out of – I feel like they were just taken out. They weren't really looked at. Like, maybe California, Texas, uh, East Coast pretty much, Florida. Like, they're pretty much putting everybody that was in developmental academy back in there again, including the MLS academies. But uh, I feel like they could have expanded a lot more than what they did. Yeah, so for reference, the MLS – they are accepting applications for further uh, academy teams to expand on what they already have with the 95 that they already have. But I do agree. The league is predominantly West Coast based in California, East Coast based in like New Jersey, um, just along the East Coast. And then Florida is pretty dominant as well. Uh, we're all from Ohio. Ohio has four uh, academy yeah, teams. Yeah, we're going yeah, to be the Columbus Crew Academy. Cincinnati, Cincinnati United and Academy, Internationals, and uh, Internationals in Cleveland. Yeah, and maybe Cincinnati Cal United, yeah, Cincinnati United Premier in Cincinnati. Yeah. So Cincinnati has two, Columbus has one, and Cleveland has one as well. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see how many more teams get added. I think it's going to ultimately be good for the MLS. It probably will produce more pros. I think one thing when we talked to Kellen Acosta last week, 
when we kind of asked him about the academy, um, he played for FC Dallas's academy, and FC Dallas's academy is, you know, referred to as probably the best academy within Major League Soccer. And he kind of, you know, when I said that one of their focuses is on environment. That's one thing that Kellen Lacoste really touched on was the environment that they created. They created a professional environment early. So these, you know, 16, 17-year-old, 18-year-old guys, you know, felt like they're already pros. They're traveling like they're pros. They're being coached and taught like they're pros. So if they continue to do that throughout the 95-plus teams that are in the league, I think that's going to ultimately turn over a higher amount of professional players, homegrown contracts with the United States and the MLS. Yeah, I think – Going off that, I think the only problem is you kind of touched base on the whole New England type uh, heavy, uh, Florida heavy and Cali heavy locations. A lot of the Midwest is missing and it's hard. It's like it's difficult because there's so much talent within the United States. If we're just focusing our academies and that type of thing in those heavy areas, I feel like we're going to be missing a lot of talent within the areas where we're not. So that's difficult. Like how do we grow talent all throughout the United States instead of just the heavy populated areas that we have already proven? Like what about the Utah's or the Nebraska's or Oklahoma's Texas only had like five six academy teams I mean San Antonio Antonio FC did have one of the academy spots yeah we we did we interviewed Hayden Partain and that's the club that he plays for Uh, right before we got on this I checked Twitter and he was super hype about that so I've actually read that San Antonio FC is like really big in their San Antonio culture so it's good to see that they have gotten landed an academy team yeah And it's just like there's so much talent down there in Texas where only five academy teams, that's going to make it difficult to really find every talented player there and really grow them. Because if you're not in one of those cities or not close enough, because my guess is there's going to be a radius type of uh, rule within, like if you don't live within a certain amount of miles from an academy team, you can't play for that academy team. And I think we're just going to miss a lot of that in Texas just unfortunately because of where teams are located well i feel like they kind of rushed it too because they they kind of had to bring something out because i mean what they they brought it up what two weeks ago i think i think it was when they found out that they bought it from the uh us academy yeah so i i think and they really didn't bring it like bring any information out after that i know they talked about a little bit but it's pretty much like pretty much the same information that the bellman academy had so i feel like they kind of rushed it I'm picking the teams and everything like that. Because, I, I mean, like, you see this, like, they kind of picked the teams that were already in the academy system. So, they didn't get really, you know, I, I feel like they really didn't look over with the other states and, like, how big, like, soccer could be. They just picked the teams, like, from Cali and stuff like that that were already in the system. And yeah, they, that way. Yeah, they picked the teams that have proven themselves at the U.S. Uh, Developmental Academy level in the past. And just to make it the most competitive, so – the teams that have been the most competitive who have gone the furthest within the playoffs and all that sort of stuff, wins and losses. I think they based it a lot on that as well. Um, Just by looking at the map and seeing the teams, I think that was, I think to make it the most competitive, they really needed to pick the teams that are the most competitive and have the most success within the former USDA. But I feel like we're still missing so much talent within the U S that we're just leaving out by not including them in this or like no league. There is the ECNL. Um, which does produce high level talent, but I don't think, but the mixture, there's no connection between the two. So there's no um, bouncing between each other and stuff like that. So there's no partnership within the two. Yeah. And so that's why, go ahead, and that's why I kind of feel like they, 
that's why I kind of feel like they just kind of rush it into like into the situation, just to kind of bring up this developmental like youth academy like play and just start it how they want it. I mean, it kind of just posted the MLS logo on there and just said, "All right, everybody, everybody's good." I think there was probably some pressure put on um, by themselves and by outside entities, but so they had to develop something quickly. But also, something I'm going to touch on is there's soccer hubs across the United States, and they really focused heavy on those hubs, you know, whether it's West Coast, California, East Coast, um, and then Florida as well, also Texas. So they definitely hit those, those hubs. But with the applications that the MLS is going to be taking from outside academies, I hope they fill in that map a little bit better that you were referring to, Dakota, that really, you know, there were dots on the map, whether it was an MLS team or a USL team or, you know, just an, basically an expansion academy team. Um, so hopefully they fill in that map within the, the Midwest. There's plenty of states that don't have any academies. There's talent throughout the United States. Yeah. That's And there's markets that are kind of untapped. And yes, one thing it's going to promote a little bit is player exposure, especially now that they're affiliated with the MLS. Uh, but they need to maximize the player exposure. They need to bring them in, bring in the most amount of academy teams possible so that's kind of my take on it um, yeah i don't know if you, i don't know if you guys have anything else in the academy also I'm not gonna, I, oh, you can go go ahead, mine. Go, ahead, go ahead go ahead i was just gonna say if you guys have not seen the map late uh since the release today uh we'll post it to our twitter we'll post it to our instagram so you guys can see that and kind of take a look to see what kind of we're talking about if you haven't seen it yet Way to be interactive, Dak. I kind of just feel like they overlooked a lot of states that may have potential like youth soccer development in their actual program, though, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. And I think this is their initial plan, but, you know, there's always the initial plan. The plan develops and changes. So I think that they have the right idea in mind. It, when you look at the map, it doesn't look great right now, but I think it's going to look better as they go. Yeah, and I think, like, we're not saying that they need to include everybody, or I'm not saying they need to include everybody, because that right. would just, like, kind of wash down the talent level. But I feel like there's more markets that don't have a team that have the talent to be competitive that they they're not putting a team in. And there's more of those than what we, we might imagine that – We'll still keep it competitive, but add more markets, reach more players. Yeah. Hopefully it works out. Uh, it's a new business venture for the MLS. You know, they're, they're busy expanding or they're expanding there. Uh, the amount of teams are about to be at 30, when, in two years? Yeah. And now they, they're, they're in the business of, you know, running their own developmental academy league. So uh, hopefully, hopefully it all works out. But the more developmental academies that they get, we might expect more professional teams in the MLS or this may be hence towards pro rail. We'll see. Yeah. I'm also very interested to see if this is going to be fully funded where all the teams don't, where all the players don't have to pay for to play in this league. I'm really interested in that to see if travel is included, um, just stuff like that. I'm interested to see if it's going to be a fully funded league or these kids are going to pay crap ton of money out of pocket just to play in this league. Yeah. And that's a big argument that's been going on within this, you know, this discussion is, is the league going to be inclusive or is it going to be exclusive? So, you know, if it is fully funded, it's going to be an inclusive league. Anybody and everybody, the best of the best, regardless of your economic background, is going to be able to play in the league, as opposed to an exclusive league where you're going to charge a buku amount of money and only the elite will be able to, the economic elite will be able to play and pay for that travel and that kind of training and stuff like that. So hopefully it is inclusive and not exclusive. 
Yeah, that's also gonna, that also is going to make or break the talent that we pull into this league and the talent that we find. Because if, I mean, you might have the best players, but they might not be able to afford it. So, oh, you guys are out of luck. We can't take you on and they're going to miss their opportunity. I mean, if it's not fully funded, hopefully some clubs or offer scholarships uh, to certain players that can't afford it so they could play for it. Uh, I know, uh, Blake, our club used to do that. Um, clubs that I've coached in the past used to do still do that. I mean, if a player can't afford it or can't afford most of it, they'll give them a scholarship. You can apply for the scholarship that way. Hopefully they do that if it's not fully funded for some of these players. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's got to be inclusive. You got to – it doesn't matter your – economic background you got to bring in the best players possible if you want to develop the academy league and if you want to develop the mls and the u.s national men's team too honestly yeah yeah that's what it's going to come from now yep all right we're going to take a quick break uh word from our sponsors here all right guys uh welcome back so one thing that we were planning on talking about prior to the uh the anchor uh little promotion there or commercial whatever you want to call it uh soccer's back dortmund and Schalke are going to play so you're going to see geo rain and weston mckinney they're going to kick off at 9 30 a.m saturday morning on fox sports one i'm going to be up for it i can't wait to watch live sports again it's going to look a little strange without any fans in the stadium but there's going to be top quality performances on the field uh i can't wait to watch it hopefully geo rain again some playing time. I don't know where he fits in there. Brush Dortmund quite yet, being 17 years old. But it's going to be entertaining nonetheless, and I'm just excited that there's some sort of uh, professional soccer going to be back, and we're going to be able to watch it. So that's a perfect segue into our second big announcement that happened this week. Um, so the MLS has proposed two things. The huge thing that is main, our main topic this week. Dakota, welcome back. I don't know where you just went. Um, looks like you want to get a charger. But, but anyways, the MLS is planning to resume play in Orlando. This is kind of what it's going to look like. So all 26 teams are going to quarantine, train, and play in what's a rumored, like, mini tournament in Orlando that's going to last, like, four to five to six weeks. They're going to play at the Disney Wide World of Sports. The, the tournament's going to consist of a group stage, knockout stage, and consolation games. That's just to make sure that all of the teams play the same amount of games. If that tends towards something else afterwards, I'm not sure. The, win the winner of the tournament is rumored to earn a spot in next year's CONCACAF Champions League. Players are going to live at the, the Disney resorts. They're not going to be able to bring their families. It's just going to be them. So individualized training sessions are going to start June 1st. Small groups on the 8th. Full training with the team on the 15th. And I have down here potentially start play on the 22nd but I leave that I believe that got pushed back to the beginning of July or it's going to be it's teetering in between those two dates uh, ESPN is going to broadcast the games I don't know if they're gonna, all going to be on ESPN plus or if they're going to be on ESPN and ESPN 2 I think that would be a good look uh, I'm not sure so the MLS has deals with Fox and Univision as well being at that Disney is a uh, uh, ESPN is owned by Disney I think it's probably going to be predominantly um, ESPN broadcasting. So we'll see how that goes. And this proposal also comes amidst the possibility of a 20% pay cut for all players as the league looks for ways to, to save money. So I know that was a lot, but pick what you guys want to start with, whether it's positive or negative, or what's your initial gut feeling on this proposal? 
Yeah. So um, I don't know if you guys mentioned it before, but um, going back to the Schalke um, Dortmund thing, I'm super excited about that. Uh, super excited to be up at eight o'clock again on a Saturday morning watching soccer uh, central time. But and that kind of leads me into my feelings towards this proposal proposed plan. Um, super excited. I mean, where you have something set or something in talks to bring soccer back. I think everybody in the world is just missing something right now. And a lot of it is sports. I mean, sports sometimes is the thing that takes you away from reality on a weekend. I know like that's why so many people look forward to sports and buy season tickets and buy tickets to these games because it's their escape from their real life for 90 minutes for two hours is their escape from real life. So having that escape again, even though it's on a TV is going to be good. I think for a lot of people mentally and a lot of morality going forward, hopefully uh, no matter where you are. I mean, I also feel like there's like going to be a lot of people traveling down to Florida or Orlando area. Cause I mean, Florida's back open too. So they opened up a bunch of stuff up. So I feel like they're going to, people are going to help the restaurants and bars around there. And I hope they actually show the games around there. That way, supporters can actually get time in for, you know, supporting their team down in Orlando. Yeah, to touch on what you said, Dakota, it's, it's you know, it's great to have the Schalke. Well, not Schalke, not just the Schalke and uh, the Russian Dortmund game, yeah. but the whole Bundesliga. It's great to have that back this weekend. You know, the Premier League is getting ready to start back up, I believe, at the beginning of June. I think that's uh, what, what they're slated to do. Uh, also, by the way, I called you guys right before this, and you guys didn't answer. Deli Ali, his home got broken into, and he got, like, slashed across the face with a knife. I don't think he got slashed. I think he got held at knife point. I don't think they actually touched him, though. I saw something about he had a wound. I don't know if that's true. You know, social media tells well, you a lot of different things. But his house got broken into, and he was held at knife point. I know okay. that. Yeah, I did see that. I know for the other thing, too, but, you know, I'm not going to talk about it. Dos Santos. <laughs> so, so anyways, <laughs> the MLS will be the first, like, major American sports league to resume play. So, for me, I believe that is a tremendous opportunity for the league. I know it's not going to look the same on camera. It's not going to feel the same. We don't know necessarily the implications of these games yet. But it's the first sport back. Like, people are looking to watch something live. People are watching the freaking – is it the Korean Baseball League? The Korean Baseball League, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the people, are, people are watching that. People are picking a team in that. So, you know, I think this is an opportunity for the MLS to, like, grow and expand their fan base um, outside of ESPN plus, which is, you know, a paid application through ESPN. I think ESPN would be smart to air these games if they truly want to provide live programming. And if they're interested in growing the sport of soccer, if they would televise these games, you know, on ESPN, ESPN two, ESPN news, and like the, the direct ESPN networks, I think they would be smart to do something along those lines. So I think, in regards to the game coming back and coming back early, I hope it's not too early. I, I hope they're taking enough precautions and they have enough tests and they're taking whatever precautions necessary. But with it being the first sport back, I think that provides a lot of opportunity. I just hope it's not too rushed. Well, I mean, they, that, they said they're going to uh, test everybody before every game and then at every practice session and stuff like that they, when they do end up doing Orlando. So they kind of covered that a little bit. So I, I feel like I feel like they're going to be they're in good hands right now with the test testing and everything like that so nobody does contract the coronavirus or anything so i feel like they have that covered right now yeah i mean you talk about the test i mean the question that is being raised in so many with so many of these professional teams 
getting tested and all of a sudden they're going to test them now every like so often like where are all these tests coming from are there enough tests in order to do this for a whole month and a half um which is another question and then you got the question of whether if a player contracts it if a player tests test positive do you put that player in quarantine for 14 days? You put the whole team in quarantine for 14 days, which then begs the question of how do you allow that team to play in the tournament? Because you have, I mean, I was going to get into it later, but this seems like a good place, but Dynamo Dresden of the second league, Buddhist Liga, uh, they had two players test positive and their first two games they had to reschedule. So because the whole team, because of the whole rules and the protocols, to get this thing started back up the whole team has to go into quarantine for 14 days so luckily with the way they have their league coming back they can put these two games at the end of the schedule but if you have a team have a player test positive and you quarantine that whole team for 14 days are they dq'd from the round robin tournament do you like how does that kind of work here so just an example from the nba um, as soon as Rudy Gobert, he, I think Rudy Gobert was the first player to test positive for the Utah Jazz. Yeah. And then after that, it was Donovan Mitchell. And then that is what sparked basically the shutdown. So that's like the ultimate implications we could be looking at. Like if two people, if one person tests positive and another person tests positive right off the bat in Orlando, there's a good chance they call it done. Um, but in, in that's that's just one point that's I don't want to get too much into testing, but that's just one point about the testing. Another point is the NBA. Another point about the NBA is the NBA is has publicly said they are skeptical about whether or not they want to, you know, publicly test and you know if they really want to test all of these players before every single game because the average everyday American has to wait two, three, four, five hours. So they don't. Maybe they don't even get tested. Maybe these test sites don't even have tests, and these NBA players just get tested like it's you know, a part of their daily routine. So it's, you know, it's a publicity thing as well for the, at least the NBA. So I think the MLS will at least take a look at that and not necessarily follow suit, but take that into consideration. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Because, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of a lot of sports teams around here are just going to, like, you know, take their temperature and see if they have a fever and then, all right, be good. You can go play. Yeah. So another thing outside of the players is, you know, these players are going to be living in the resorts at Walt Disney World. You know, obviously there's there's plenty of hotels around the area. Like, that's, that's one of the positives I have down is where are we at here so one of the positives I have is you know it's a good location Disney is a really good location the NBA is actually back to the NBA they've talked about doing the same thing at Disney um, so they have multiple fields available Dakota you and I have played at that at that complex they have additional training space they have plenty of hotel space and they have plenty of other amenities but to accommodate the entire so there's a thousand plus MLS players and staff and medical people that are going to be coming there's a good chance that these resorts may have to hire more people and there's you know not only the precautions that the mls needs to take but there's the precautions that the hotels need to take and i've seen a couple things referring to meal time um, with these guys you know breakfast lunch and dinner there's going to be there's problems that they have to address there um, are they going to eat in their rooms are they going to come down to a common area you know there's they want to limit interaction you know they're obviously going to leave these decisions to the professionals but there's still room for for error within this whole um proposal they have yeah and 
going back to you're talking about the amenities and stuff like that. I mean, like it's stuff. I mean, these are professional athletes we're talking about. We're not talking about high school, college athletes. We're talking about professional athletes making millions of dollars, the best at their trade and everything like that. I mean, like, I mean, just like you said, Blake, we've been there. We've played there. There's no locker rooms, no nothing. Like where are these, like, are these athletes going to be, yes, they want to play soccer and yes, they want to finally play again, but like there's going to, where do you go if there's a rain delay? Are you going to throw the million dollar players back on a bus for however long? Half times. Are you going to stick them under a tree with, try to find a tree with shade? Like, it's just like, it's questions that you like are like, okay, whatever. Like you don't think of, but like at the end of the day, it's like, are how many of these players or what's going to happen if these type of things happen? And then you talked about the NBA coming back down, like that NBA comes down. Are they going to be down there the same time as the MLS? Or just because, or does the MLS have first dibs on the facilities? Because the basketball courts are literally in a building right next to the soccer fields. And then you're talking about TVs and stuff like that. And then you're getting into, you're going to put makeshift balconies up for cameras and all that. How do you get all the electrical stuff out there in these facilities and stuff like that? It's just, there's so many like tedious questions that a lot of people don't think of that need to be addressed. And maybe they, like, maybe they are being addressed. I don't know, but we're not. I'm not. We're not hearing any of it. Poops, let me ask you. Poops, let me ask you a question, real quick. All right, go ahead. All right, and then you can get into whatever you're getting into. So Dakota touched on it a little bit. So you know, are players really gonna want to sit under a tree if there's a rainstorm, or are they gonna want to put up with the high school esque feel that this is gonna feel like? So say you are a Chicharito or a Carlos Vela. You're an elite player, one of the highest paid players in the league, regardless of them you know saying that oh if you win this tournament you get a CONCACAF spot but at the same time you're also getting a 20% pay cut do you want to play in that tournament like do you care are you motivated I mean nobody's gonna want to sit underneath the canopy and eat orange slices at halftime and drink juice boxes so I'm just saying I mean Chicharito still has a lot to prove in MLS because he hasn't done anything the like the first two games that he played in there Fela, i i agree with him like that man you know he deserves a good spot you know underneath a good old building or inside a hotel of it rains or something like that but i'm just saying like you can't you can't treat your treat your mls players like it's a high school soccer game even though it might it might feel like that especially being at like the disney world resort or in stuff like that and playing on the fields at disney it's gonna feel like a little like a high school game or something like that but i mean you can't treat them like that you got you gotta like you gotta treat them like a true mls player and actually take care of them while you're there yeah like i'm not if i'm carlos vela i'm not going to a game in my jersey play a full game get back on the bus sweaty all smelly sit on the bus for 10 minutes and then shower at the hotel like that's that's ridiculous. I'm making six. I'm making whatever he's making in the millions, and this is what I'm doing after games now, just because we want to put soccer back on the TV. I'm across the country from my family because he's out in out in LA. I'm and they and they cannot bring their families. No, with they them. It's just yeah, a player. It's ridiculous. And then I mean, we talk about another issue that keeps popping into my head because these are things I think of on a daily. But if it rains, if it thunderstorms, Florida's known for their thunderstorms during the summer. If it rains. Those fields, you know, those fields are not uh, irrigated like a professional stadium is. So those fields, if it rains, are not going to be as dry or as in good of condition as it would if it rains in, say, Bank of America, Bank of California Stadium or Cruise Stadium, Matt Free Stadium or anything like that, because the irrigation systems aren't the same. 
Well, I mean, that goes for any like MLS player. Any MLS player doesn't deserve to be played like treated like that. To be honest, and then that's another thing. Like you're gonna have to hire a whole maintenance crew to take care of those fields during the whole time the tournament goes on. That's extra money for the MLS right there. So and the yeah. whole scheduling, the whole scheduling of the these games, they have 17 fields. But if you bring every team to play at the same time, you're putting everybody at risk because everybody's there at the same time. Like, how is the scheduling of these games going to take place? Yeah, like I said, there's a lot of logistical issues. Dakota, you were talking about the thunderstorms and whatnot in Florida. One of my big concerns was the quality of play once we come back, you know, once once we resume play, whether that's the 22nd of June or early July. So, you know, they're introducing small group training, and then I think training with the team starts on the 15th, a week before so really and truly, you're only going to have, you know, granted, you are doing your own fitness drills, you're doing your own small group fitness drills with teammates, but really you're only going to have a week to prepare with your team. So fitness is going to be an issue. And, yeah, you're, and, going, you have- and you're going to Florida in late June, early July, into August with that heat and that humidity, fitness is going to be an issue. It's going to be hot. Es- especially, hot. Sin- especially now since you have – teams already doing individual training and you have teams who haven't even been cleared to start yet so these teams who have been cleared are getting a jump start a week jump start on teams that haven't been able to that's like Colorado I'm going back to the Colin Costa thing because he was our recent interview but he his Colorado hasn't been able to practice yet they haven't been able to even get into their facility and you've had teams like Real Salt Lake I think and uh, other teams who have been there for a week already and it's just like these timetables don't line up but teams are getting early jumps on other teams and it's just it doesn't seem fair if anything hold everybody out until we get to this date and uh, while everybody gets down in the down to Orlando and then you can start these and I feel like I mean such you they're gonna have to have a spot for the supporters to actually go to like the restaurant and stuff and drink because me I'm gonna support my crew and get hammered Buzz Lightyear Mickey Mouse so <laughs> I feel like so I knew I knew it was coming Buzz Lightyear that's and Mickey Mouse that's what I want to do so that's my goal if I'm going down there yeah if Mickey Mouse and Buzz Lightyear don't commentate the games I'm not watching <laughs> yeah I'm not either so <laughs> I know you're not Poopus because Donnie's gonna watch with you yeah uh, he definitely will <laughs> <laughs> so guys I have a question with conditioning like I just said I think for me personally I think conditioning and fitness and quality of gameplay is going to be an issue so with that happening do you guys think the mls you know it's been rumored that leagues are thinking about doing a five substitute rule because of concerns about fitness and heat humidity and quality of play do you think the mls should consider adopting a five player sub limit uh, yeah i definitely do because i feel like i mean not everybody's gonna be like in top shape how they like want to be like especially if like season was going on right now they'd be in prime shape but like, taking the break during this COVID 19 stuff and then like just coming back with like right away and when to start games like right off the bat you're gonna need like five subs during the game so that's that's how i feel yeah i think one it would be good for conditioning you're not gonna risk injury a uh, second aspect to that that i like is it's allowing you to put players into a game that you normally wouldn't put in um especially like when you get homegrown players on or just younger players you allow them to get onto the field normally uh during this than they would normally probably yeah i i think that's a a huge positive in this whole thing if you guys if the mls does allow the five sub rule like you just touched on you do not eliminate but limit the amount of overuse and injury for players but also you give those guys and you know throughout our podcast series we've been advocates for getting younger players playing time and developing the younger players because that will only help the league 
so if that's something they do, I think that's definitely going to help help you know the players develop and help the league in general. Like I feel like yeah, I know like it's gonna be serious. Like it's gonna count for their season when they come back up. But, I mean, you might as well just like take a chance and see like what kind of lineups you can like prove and put in dudes that you never like might want to think about putting in and give them a chance in the games. So just tournament stuff. I right? just give everybody a chance and see see what it like. See what you can prove during your was was your lineups. So yeah, I think it would be good. It's just there's so much logistics stuff and with us not being in the meetings we don't hear about this stuff but they could easily be figuring all this stuff out by themselves we're not saying they're not figuring that out or anything like that we're just saying if we're not a part of these conversations so we're giving our concerns for it outside of their committee meetings yeah absolutely and Dakota that was a good segue the MLS and their executives are in constant correspondence with the MLS Players Association um in regards to the 20% cut and in, in wages and the possible move to Orlando for the small tournament and possibly even for the five substitute rule. So how much, how much power do you guys think that the MLSPA and the players within the league actually have? It's tough to uh, say um, just because they're, they had to say with the CBA um, they're getting that stuff done, unfortunately, because of the whole COVID-19. We haven't been able to get the ratifications in that CBA fully finalized yet. Um, so there's still a lot of power to the owners um, that might not be there if we didn't, um, the COVID-19 didn't happen and the ratifications could happen. But uh, I think they hold somewhat um, of power, but I don't think it's um, enough maybe or as much as they might want. Yeah, like, I agree, to be honest, because, like, I don't know. I feel like I feel like if everybody's going to take a pay cut, I feel like Garber and, like, the bosses of the MLS should take a pay cut, too, because there's been no word of that at all around. It's just the players taking the pay cut. That's it. So I feel like everybody in MLS should take a pay cut if that's going to happen. Yeah, well, there was word about the whole Garber and them taking it beforehand when it was talking well, about the, gonna... the prior cut, but this cut, there's no word. Uh, yeah, that's when they're going to do the 50% thing before. Yeah. And that's when the Garber thing was introduced. But there's no, there's been no word for Garber. So I feel like you're going to take a pick. And this, this is all players, even if they make 100000 like less than that. So I feel like everybody needs to take a pay cut in MLS if they're going to take that away from players too. Yeah, because 20% sounds smaller than 50%. It's still a big chunk of money for everybody. Oh, yeah. Big time. In regards to the salary cut, Don Garber came out with a quote this past week, I believe. And he said the vast majority of our income does come from game day revenue. So I did my good amount of research. I don't know. I couldn't find recent revenue for the MLS. I don't know if they don't post it or I don't know if I just didn't search enough. So if you guys are listening or watching, please comment. Let me know. Correct me if I'm wrong. The last thing I could find was 2013. I know there's been sponsorship deals with Nike, Fox, and Adidas that have happened since then. But in 2013, 90% of the revenue came from game day sale for the MLS. Comparatively, the NFL believe this was 2018, 15% of revenue was from game day sales. That is a 75% difference between revenue from game day sales. That's crazy. So the MLS currently is looking for ways to save money. So for me, I, I, I have some notes here and I have been referencing the NBA all night long. You guys know I'm a huge LeBron fan. LeBron held a meeting, I believe, two days ago with other powerful players, Kevin Durant, some other guys as well, Kawhi Leonard, um, discussing what they want the league to look like when they come back. LeBron has come out and said that he doesn't want to play not in front of fans. He only plays the game for fans. 
is there so the way the NBA goes is basically the way LeBron goes. LeBron almost is the president of the league, to be honest with you. Is there anybody within the MLS that has that kind of reputation or that kind of power, or that kind of resume that can change the way the league exec- executives think and make decisions? I, mean, I feel like, I mean, it's it's all about health. So they're going to they're gonna find the, like, the quickest way to actually keep everybody healthy. And keeping everybody out of the stands is the quickest way to do that. So none of the players get sick, nobody else gets sick. So, I mean, I mean, LeBron can say that, but it's up to the NBA owner. I know LeBron, like, like you said, he's a huge part of the NBA. But, I mean, he's going to have to live with it, to be honest. He's going to have to live with no fans being in the stands. He's not going to be the only one to, like – I mean, yeah, I mean, other players might be able to say that. But, you're, I mean, you just got to deal with it. If other sporting events are going to be with no fans, then you're going to have to deal with it, too. Right. But in, in regards to being powerful enough to influence the league to make decisions, is there anybody in the MLS that is capable of doing that, that big of a name? I think you can look at the Carlos Vela's – um, even if you're looking at owner wise, you can look at Beckham. You can like Arthur Blank. Yeah, offer whatever. Ar- Arthur Blank. Yes. I mean, it's just like I think there are influential people there. It's just I mean, you've seen it. Don Garber knows he is the head of the MLS and he wants everybody to know it. So it's just a matter of fact whether like these players, David Beckham, the owners can go to the MLS MLS PA and then go to the owner. Or the, yeah, Don Garber, and it's just like, okay, will Don Garber actually listen, though? I mean, we've all seen how Don Garber was with the Columbus crew and the Anthony pre-court thing. No one was taking, like, Don Garber wasn't taking anything, like, he was taking Anthony pre-court side the whole time, and he was moving that team no matter what until he finally got pushed and pushed and pushed it's just whether the mlspa is going to push don garber that far to make these decisions or not so dakota you bring up a good you bring up a good point dakota i know don garber is the commissioner of the mls and he has a responsibility to defend the teams that are within the mls don't get me wrong i'm full on save the crew do or die i got it here and i got it over here over here somewhere right there and i got it in my heart but at the same time don garber runs a business um, and if there's another market that can potentially take this team and take it to another level, and that could happen to any market, you know, no knocks on Columbus, no knocks to Austin, even though uh, I feel some type of way about Austin and Don, or not Don Garber, but uh, Anthony Precourt. But, you know, Don Garber was looking out for the league, the, the best interest of the league at that point. And then thank goodness the Columbus Crew fans took over and took control, which is phenomenal, which makes the Columbus Crew fans, Nordeca, uh, we are massive, one of the most massive supporters group. Yeah, so that's my big thing. It's just whether, I mean, and you could have done, you talked about looking out for the league as well for Don Garber, but could he just not have given Austin a expansion team from the beginning? I mean, it's, he was going to take a team away from an original team, the first chartered team away from Columbus to give to Austin. Like, why not just give Austin an expansion team since we're handing out expansion teams left and right as it is. If you can pay the money, you're gaining an expansion team. So why not just do that? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, yeah, he's he, – it's a tough situation to be in. You know, I would it's hate to be this, in that's it. It's, I would hate it's to be in this it's, position. It's all about the money, baby. It is. Hey, hey, thank, all... thank – Hey, thank God we don't make any money. We're sitting behind just computers and iPhones, so it's all good. Hey, I mean, you can show me, you can tell me the Jerry Maguire quote all day. Show me the money, baby. Just show me the money and you get an expansion team. All right, guys. So for me, 
the only other positive I have, and it's kind of sarcastic. I told you guys beforehand, but uh, the MLS is going to be saving money on commercial flights because they're just going to be stationed in Orlando. They don't got to fly people everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that ratification in the new CBA deal went to waste for its first year. Yeah. Well, man, they figured it out next year. That's all good. I agree. Yeah. So, guys, we speculated with this before we got on the Zoom call. You know, they're talking about doing this tournament. We haven't talked a whole lot about the tournament. Is the tournament going to replace the league, do you think? For me, I, I, I haven't read anything. I know you guys have. You've read different articles than me. But I feel like this is almost like a preseason for the league. And then maybe they'll expand to – they'll track these results and take it into more of a regular season and then a postseason. What do you guys – is it is it just a tournament? Is it going to lead to the regular season? What do you guys think this is going to lead into, or is this it? Yeah, I mean, it is a tournament, but it's going to count towards the regular season too. It's going to go on the record. So, and then if they actually bring out uh, who all, whoever wins this gets a CONCACAF spot, I mean, it's going to count towards the regular season. I know they talk about a bunch of other stuff, but, I mean, it's part of the regular MLS season, so you're going to have to play like they do during the regular, even though it's a tournament. Yeah, I think – like Poopa said, it's it's difficult. I think there's not – I don't know if there's enough information that we know yet or not. But, again, you're giving the winner possibly a spot in the CONCACAF Champions League because there's no Open Cup. But what about the other three berths that the MLS get? How do you determine who gets those? Uh, of course, you'll probably do the finalists, but then how do you do – are you doing a third and fourth place game? Or how are you going to be doing that? I know there's a consolation bracket determined and stuff like that that you're going to do. But it's just like if you don't end up having a regular season, how are those other bursts being determined? It's just how do you make this the most meaningful tournament that you can possibly make it? Because one, we've talked about all these already. You're taking the possible pay cut. You're getting dragged away from your family. You're getting stuck in a hotel and a field. And those are the only two places you're allowed to go. Like, how do you make this meaningful to the players? Like, like we talked about Carlos Vela. Like, if I'm Carlos Vela, like, show me how this means something. And I will consider it. With all the negatives going on right now, within the whole proposal, the unknowns, like, show me how this is meaningful, and I will consider it and possibly go. And I think that's the biggest challenge the MLS faces. Or I'm going to call my agents, and I'm going to go back over to the Premier League. Yeah, because the window opens up July 1st in Europe, so and that's a week after this is proposed to start. So you might as well just sit out the week and just go to freaking Europe or back to Mexico somewhere. Yeah. Go play some of that's planned. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, are you going to give me a Parks and Rec trophy for like, you know, placing second or third place? Hey, we can give them hubcaps. We can give them hubcaps like we used to do with the tomato cup. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) For for reference, we used to play like two V two games way back in the day, like world cup style. And the winner, you know, whenever we were driving anywhere, if we found a hubcap, we'd pick it up and that would be our trophy for our tomato cups. (laughs) That's just for reference. It's a little ridiculous, (laughs) but that was like, it was coveted back then. It was like, yeah, I got to win this tomato cup. Yeah. True that. True that. For real. So for me, I'm going to provide my solution. I don't know if you guys have solutions to what you guys think the league should look like. It's kind of similar to what they've already proposed, but instead of one neutral site, I believe they should have two neutral sites, one for the East Conference, one for the West Conference. They play round robin, so each team would play 
12 games. And from that, I think the top four from each conference should then go to another neutral location, whether that then be Orlando or whatever that specified location is. The top four from each conference should then go to a neutral location um, and then play a knockout round there. I think that would be my way to go about it. That would almost be like playing a regular season, but you wouldn't be playing out of conference games until you get to the knockout rounds. I mean, that's why I said before, like, you know, like group decks and stuff like that. I said they were concerned in Kansas City. And you're like, oh, no, like, that's not true. But, I mean, I approved my information and then, you know. I, I wish I could flip you. I want to flip you off right now, but I can't. <laughs> I know you can't. I'm just saying, though. I know another I could. city with Kansas City. If I choose for another, like, spot, so I can divide it up. But I agree yeah. with you. I feel like they should to make it a little bit easier. That way it's not so crowded in one area. And they yeah. get a lot more games in than what they want to. So I agree with that part. Yeah, it could be cool. It would also be interesting to see what they do with the semifinals and the finals. Even if they are in Orlando, do they go to? Do they play all the these three games inside Orlando City Stadium like they do the uh, College Cup? So, I mean, that could be interesting. You play two games Friday and two games on a sun and one game on a Sunday. I mean, it could be interesting because I know if I'm playing for a championship, I don't want to be playing on a wrecked field at Walt Disney World no. Resort. <laughs> no, but that's that's something that's going to have to be predetermined by the league. But yeah, you would think that for a championship or well, semifinal championship game, they would play on the most elite field that they could find in the Orlando area, whether that's because they do have stadiums at the complex, correct? They have I, mean, I mean, you've seen them. It's not a real stadium. It's like makeshift have, bleachers on one side. Right. So ideally you would play at Orlando, Orlando's stadium. Yeah. And there's definitely a way where you can make the cleaning happen yeah. in between yeah. games. If not, you play one game Friday, one game Saturday and a game Monday or something like to give them a full 24 hours to disinfect the, the locker room and the ble- and the bench area. I mean, it, there's got to be a solution where we can host the semifinals in the championship in more of a, a an appeasing and, and a more appealing atmosphere than Disney Worldwide Sports Complex. Yeah, because, you know, viewership, you know, everybody wants to watch live sports, but it comes down to how they are, you know, portrayed and what it looks like. You know, there's going to be a lot of people that turn on these games and see that there's no fans in the stadium. It's relatively quiet outside of the commentary, and there's going to be a lot of people that are just going to turn it off and turn on, you know, Netflix. Yeah, and there's no stadium at all. I mean, we're looking at no stadiums at all. We're looking right. at grass. We're looking at grass. It's a wreck soccer field. It's like watching a high school game. Hey, man, I like looking at good landscaping. I do. Yeah, but if you're like – I know, I know. We're know, talking about like the true <laughs> – and, I mean, we talked about this before. The diehard fans and the fans who love these teams and love soccer are going to watch these. Yeah. But it's the – this is a time where there's no other sports going on. So this is the time to, like, advertise yourself to the fan or the person who normally wouldn't watch soccer. Yeah. Yep. And they have they have not, to be creative and they have to be they have to make it appealing to yes. that crowd. And playing this, this is their opportunity to do so. Yeah, and just playing on a random soccer field, even though it's the only option you have, might not be the most appealing thing to the random person looking to watch sports. Expand out of like out of the Disney World, like Disney World complex and use the football stadiums like they used to, honestly. Yeah. It will also be interesting to see how if they reline these fields and what they do because, I mean, Blake, we've been there. Those fields aren't 
MLS size. Like they're smaller than the MLS. So like they how, will. Yeah, they, that's they also have, the question. They, they're gonna have to. to. They have. They have to. They don't have a choice. If they're gonna be playing there, they gotta reline them, resize the fields. Yeah, boys. I think that's. Unless you guys have anything else to add on the conversation of Orlando, I don't really think I have anything else. No, I'm good. No, cool. Let's take it away. All right, you guys go ahead and plug at it for a second. I'll close this out. All right, y'all. Once again, thank you so much for listening in. Last week we had a great interview with Kellen Acosta. So if you haven't gone to listen to the Kellen interview, please go listen to it. Um, I know he did an interview on Instagram Live yesterday. Um, but it was really short. So if you're looking to get more out of Kellen, get more of an in-depth look into what he's been doing in his career, go check us out. We definitely dove in. We, he provided a lot of good stuff, some stuff that he actually only told us for the first time. He's never told anybody else. So that was pretty cool. Um, and that he's trusted us with that information. So if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it again. Week 11, I had a lot of fun. This Zoom meeting was really cool. It was really cool to watch you guys and talk this way. So hopefully we can keep this going, and we're looking forward to next week, and make sure to tune in. I just want to say that Kellen Costa interview with Elm Lutch is banished. Not even Harry Potter can bring that shit back. So that's all I got to say. So I don't want Elm Lutch with that, but – Hey, I man, I got a pee. Stop making me laugh. <laughs> I just want to say thank you guys for everything. Like, go back and listen to all our episodes. Not just our Kellen the Coast episode, every single episode. Give us some love. I appreciate you guys, and thank you so much. Yeah, guys, thank you for giving MLS Gone Wild a listen, whether that's week one or whether that's, you know, week 11. Uh, you know, they've already advocated for the Kellen Acosta episode, huge episode. We also have had Chris Duvall, Christian Partain, and um, Hayden Partain, but not Hayden, Christian Partain. Hayden Partain, I'm very sorry. Don't know where that came from. And Brandon Easton <laughs> from Ford Madison. Um, we have a Ford Madison scarf there, uh, who Brandon Eaton plays for, and Hayden Partain plays for San Antonio FC. We have his scarf there. Um, so go check out all of our episodes. Give us a like, a review, a subscribe on whatever uh, podcast um, you know format that you guys listen to. This, like we said, this is our first time doing Zoom. I think we're going to continue to do this. It was super fun. Uh, it, it, it was nice to be able to follow those social cues and be able to kind of make faces at each other and things like that. So go ahead and give us a, give us a follow on all of our social media accounts. It's going to be MLS Gone Wild. So until next week, guys, thank you. We hope you all have a good week. You guys stay safe, stay home, stay healthy. I know some states are starting to open back up, but be smart with what you guys do. Um, Soccer's back. Let's have fun with it. Y'all enjoy.